Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Proverbs, please. Chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6. Appreciate all the music, all the good singing. Choir song was off the charts. Amen. Unseen hand. I love that song. I love that song. Great job. All the specials spoke to my heart tonight. It's preaching time. I preached about 24 minutes this morning, so I'll have to make up for that tonight. I definitely don't want you to get shortchanged. I want to make sure you get all your money's worth. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6, stand with me please. We're going to look at a word tonight. It's only used twice in the Bible. Both times it's in this few verses that we're about to read. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 12. The Bible says, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet, and he teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. In the verses that we've just read, several words are repeated, but there are only two words in this passage that this is the only place you will find them in the Word of God. And I want to preach on that tonight, simply sowing discord. Sowing discord. Lord, help us tonight as we explore these verses and as we study this Word and, Lord, uh, different usages of this Word. I pray that you would help us tonight as a church to understand the seriousness of this issue be able to recognize it, and Lord, to definitely to abstain from it. I pray that our church would be strengthened tonight, that the body of Christ would be helped through this message is my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. Uh, as I begin to study out this concept of discord, I don't think I ever have studied this word uh, quite this in depth as I did this message uh, I was surprised to find that it is only mentioned twice, as far as I can tell, and it is in these verses right here together. And so tonight I'd like to just look at these verses from verse 12 and down and just do a bit of a, a study and ask God to help us. Uh, I do know this, as a pastor, this is a subject uh, that I'm passionate about. Uh, you hear me refer often to the importance of unity in the church and uh, someone sowing discord is obviously the enemy of that uh, unity. And so uh, for that reason alone tonight, I hope that you'll pay attention. But I thought as I was studying this out uh, that it might be possible someone sowing discord not realizing that that's what they're doing. The Bible speaks harshly about this subject. It's not something to be taken lightly. So I hope that you'll sit up tonight and pay close attention as I try to give you what God has given me, I was trying to figure out how to condense it. I've got three pages of notes. I'll move as quickly as the Lord allows. But if you'll listen, I promise you that you'll be helped tonight. As we look at this subject, small word, just a few short letters and only mentioned twice, but yet there's a lot in the Bible about the general idea of sowing discord. By way of introduction, and I, well, not, not introduction, let's just jump right into the meat of the message. If you're taking notes, number one, you can write this down, the definition 
of discord. We're going to look at the definition of discord. I looked it up in the Greek. It literally means strife or contention. That's what the word discord means. Uh, I looked it up in the dictionary. By the way, somebody asked me, said, what do you use when you study? I said, a dictionary. Most of the time, dictionary and strong concordance. Those two things uh, and the Holy Spirit of God will pretty much make, make the Bible make sense. Amen. Sometimes you get messed up reading what somebody else says it says. That's not what it says. Just let God tell you what it says. But a, a good dictionary is always good. to Look up the meaning of a word. The word discord, according to the dictionary, it means a lack of concord or harmony between persons or things, such as in a marriage, marital discord. That's when husband and wife not getting along. That word discord would be appropriate there. It means a disagreement. It means a difference of opinion. It means a strife, dispute, or in a greater sense, it can actually lead to war. So discord uh, goes from a difference of opinion all the way to war. Um, I wanted to give an illustration on the piano. Uh, I was going to do it, but I'm going to get Brother Payne to do it. Brother Payne, would you get over there on the piano for just a second? And the word discord is also used in the music realm, uh, and it literally means an inharmonious combination of musical tones sounded together, any confused or harsh noise or dissonance. So Brother Payne, what I'd like for you to do with your left hand, uh, do the C chord, a simple C chord, and with the right hand, do a C chord. Just do those together for me. That's a C chord, left hand. Right hand, both of them hitting a C. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to hit a C with your left hand and just drop down a half a step and do a B major with your right hand and do that, just hit them at the same time. Do that for us again. Can you roll that? Okay, so he's only, he's only out a half step down. Instead of hitting that C, he's at the B. But you notice the difference in that sound. Now give us a C. Roll us out a C there. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you, Brother Adriel. Good job over there. I mean, at least he knows what C and B is. I'm grateful. I wasn't sure that I could trust him to help me with that illustration tonight. No, jokingly. There's a big difference when there is a discord, and it doesn't have to be out by much. I was actually playing around before the service, and I was trying to find which sounds the worst. And you can't get much worse than just a half step out. It was amazing. I was, hitting a, I was actually hitting some crazy chords, and they sounded pretty good together. But that C and that B together sounded horrible. That is a discord. Okay? That means that something is out. It can out be out just a little bit, but it sounds horrible. So when the Bible talks about discord in the ears of God, that's what it sounds like. And it should sound like that to us. And we should recognize discord, watch me now, when we hear it. You don't have to be musically inclined to know that something's off or something's not right. And uh, brother, I could have actually written that on a piece of paper and give it to him without you knowing that one hand was doing the C and the other hand was doing the B. And the minute he hit it, you'd have known whether you know music or not, something's not right with that. that I can't think of anywhere in a song that that would sound good. Well, as Christians, we ought to have our ears so in tune with God. And we should be so in tune with the Holy Spirit and the voice of God that we recognize discord when we hear it and when we see it, whether it be in our own marriage. Come on now. 
We, I, I, I had the privilege of filling in for Brother uh, Bell this morning. They're on vacation. I was able to teach the married couples class, and we were talking about unity and harmony in the marriage and how many married couples seemingly are content with having strife and contention in their marriage. When I walk through the front door of my house, I don't want to enter into a war zone. I want there to be peace and tranquility, and I want there to be harmony. I want my wife's face to light up when she sees me. And I'll say, oh, there he is, he's back. Thought you were gonna be gone longer. What brought you home so soon? I, I don't wanna hear that. I, when I see my children, when they walk in the door, I want there to be harmony and unity, and I don't want to have discord in my marriage. I don't want discord in my relationship with my children. I don't want discord in my church. But it's not just what I want, it's what God wants. The definition of discord is a lack of harmony between persons or things. That word discord is also synonymous with the word variance. That word variance is found in Galatians 5. I want you to turn over there. You can save your place in Proverbs 6. We're going to come back in just a moment. This might end up being more of a teaching type message than a preaching type message. Who knows? We might warm up just and start preaching here in a little bit. But right now, I want to just bring this word to life for us. That word discord is synonymous with the word variance. It's not a word that we hear often. It's in Galatians 5 and verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. That ought to put our, our, our ears on alert right there. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Here it is, variance. Variance. That's a synonym with discord. If you look them up, you'll see those words used interchangeably. That word variance, and he goes on, talks about emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I think it's important that we understand that the hatred, the variance, the emulations, the wrath, the strife and seditions and heresies are sandwiched in between adultery and murder. They're all bad. And they're pretty serious if you read Galatians 5. They that which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And in that text, if you've still got your Bible open to Galatians 5.20, the next word after variance is the word emulation. By the, word, by the way, the word variance, if you look it up, it literally means to cut into two parts, to cleave asunder or to sever. It literally is the act of dividing. That's the word variance, synonymous with discord. So that word discord, variance, is found in Galatians 5, verse 20. The very next word is emulations. That word emulations means excitement of mind, fervor of spirit. It means pursuing or defending something, the fierceness of indignation, punitive zeal, and envious and contentious rivalry. So it is an excitement. It is, an, uh, it is a fervency that has a divisive tone to it. That's the word emulations. These are words we don't hear much. We found them in the King James Bible. The word strife, we know what that means. We think we know what it means, but I looked it up. It literally means a desire to put one's self forward. A partisan and fractitious spirit which does not disdain uh, the, uh, the, the respect. And it goes on to talk about partisanship and that which causes fractions. That's what the word strife means. It is a, it is a severing. A, fraction, a fractioning spirit, um, and then the word seditions, 
literally means dissension and division. So he uses several words here together that pretty much all kind of mean the same thing, but a little bit different. The, the, the variance, the emulations, the wrath, the strife, and the seditions, all these things together have a divisive element to them. And he put it right in there in between adultery, fornication, murders, and drunkenness. Right. Have I got your attention? Sowing discord is a serious offense. We see the definition of discord. You can lose your place in Galatians. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter number six. And now we'll look secondly at the description of discord. There's a, there's a character that is described in verses 12, 13, and 14 that I think is important or God wouldn't have put it in there. Right. All right, this is the kind of person, according to verse number 14, that soweth discord. Are you ready? Let's just go down through here and look at it. A naughty person. That word naughty, it means a destructive, worthless, good-for-nothing, base fellow, one that brings ruin. That's literally what it means. I looked every one of these words up because I wanted to understand the seriousness of discord. A naughty, we hear that word naughty, we say to our children, oh, you don't, don't be naughty. A naughty is a bad dude. Not just somebody stealing cookies. All right? That, it goes on to say, a naughty person, verse 12, a wicked man. I looked up the word wicked in that verse. It literally means in this verse, it means trouble and sorrow. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Is that what your Bible says? Look at verse number 13. We're going to come back to that forward in just a second. He winketh with his eyes in verse number, the Bible says in verse number 13, he winketh with his eyes. There is a, there's a, a can I say it, there's a con artist element. There's an untrustworthy deceptiveness to his demeanor. Winketh with his eyes. Bible speaks about that in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 10, he that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow. That is somebody you can't trust. They're just, they're just a, a, they're, they're a scoundrel. And it says that he winketh with his eye, he speaketh with his feet. He speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Well, I, can, I can labor those two right there because I believe there's some, there's some really interesting truths about those two statements, but I want to summarize it with this right here. This person that winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, teacheth with his fingers, he's influential. He's influential. He's the kind of person that shows you how. He's the kind of person people look to for instruction. All right, he sleepeth, he winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Verse number 14, frowardness is in his heart. We just saw that word forward in verse number 12. Forward, mentioned twice. Verse number 12, it's in his mouth. In verse number 14, it's in his heart. Are y'all staying with me? That word forward literally means perversity, that which is perverse. Forwardness is in his mouth and its forwardness is in his heart. Verse number 14. Okay, this is not an innocent uh, slip of the tongue. 
I mentioned earlier that someone could possibly sow discord not realizing that that's what they're doing. If anybody's ever played the piano before for any length of time, you've accidentally hit the wrong key, you've accidentally hit the wrong chord, you didn't mean to, and you weren't proud of it when you did. It's possible that you could maybe say something that would fall into the category of sowing discord without intending to, and that not be what you're trying to do, but in essence, that's what it is. But let me say this, the character that we're reading about in this passage of scripture does it on purpose. Make no mistake, the frowardness is in his heart and it's in his mouth. He's a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winks with his eyes. He, he, he speaketh with his feet and teaches with his fingers. Very influential. By the way, the Bible says in Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Verse 14 says that he's got frowardness in his heart. No wonder in verse 12 that it's also in his mouth. What's in the heart will come out of the mouth. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Luke 6, 45. Out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. But then it goes on to tell us in verse number 14, he deviseth mischief continually. Mischief, that word mischief, I looked it up, it literally means that which is bad or disagreeable or unhappy or sad. So let me see if I can understand what he says. Frowardness, perverseness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He's continually devising something sad and unhappy and it's all the time. This is not talking about a person with a random issue that needs to be resolved or someone that has a legitimate concern and not a single one of us in here wouldn't fit that description at some point to where something is said or we hear about something and all of a sudden maybe we go, okay, I don't understand that and maybe I need to talk to the preacher about that or maybe I need to look into that. Every now and then that happens. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. This is a person that sits around and in their heart they continually devise Mischief, bad, disagreeable, unhappy, sad things. And then the verse ends with, so at this court. So it starts out talking about the character of this person, a naughty, wicked, froward, winks with his eyes, speaks with his feet, teaches with his fingers, and he deviseth mischief continually. And how is that manifested? It's manifested, all that begins to come out by sowing discord. So we see the description of that person that sows discord. But number three, I wanna show you something very interesting that hit me as I study these verses out. And that is the dissemination of discord. We only find the word discord used twice in the Bible right here in our text in Proverbs six. And both times the Bible says that discord is sown. He that soweth discord. Are y'all still with me? It's in verse number 14, and it's in verse number 19. He that soweth discord. And I begin to realize that a person that sows discord is very much like a farmer that sows seed. I begin to make a list of similarities. You could probably make a list of 10 or 15. I only made three or four. But let me just give you a couple of them. These are just some random ideas about a person sowing discord. First of all, seeds are very small and look insignificant. Person sowing discord may say something that seems small and insignificant, but a seed that is small and insignificant can one day be something very big. 
So just because somebody's saying something and it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, that doesn't mean it's not a big deal. Sowing discord, seeds are small and look insignificant. I thought about Matthew 13, and this seed falls on different kinds of soil. A person that sows discord may say something to me, and it go in and out the other. It won't phase me a bit. It won't, it won't affect me at all. They may sow discord. They may say something about somebody. They may be puking up all these mischiefs and all these forward things, and, and it, it, it just be absolutely, I won't even think twice about it. Somebody else, that thing will take root. And just like seed falls on different kinds of soil, person sowing discord, that discord falls on different kinds of soil. Come on now. Now it's also interesting to me that a farmer that sows seed in Matthew 13, he's just kind of throwing it out there. But I'll tell you what I believe about the person sowing discord, they know where it has their best chance of taking root. Because people sometimes say stuff to you they don't say to me. They ain't got the guts to say it to me. I'll just look at them right in their face and say, you're sowing discord. But they know you're not going to say that. They know that if they can get that seed in your heart, it can trickle down in your ear. It can trickle down into your heart, and that thing can take root. Tell you something else about the seed. Seeds only need just a little bit of water and a little bit of light to start growing. Come on now. Tell you something else about seed. We're talking about sowing discord. The Bible says that he sows discord. He sows it. Seeds can lie dormant for years before taking root. Mm -hmm. We went to Shady Maple, took the, took the staff to Shady Maple Friday night. When we got finished, my wife and I walked down the hill. There's a good store down there. How I many of y'all know what I'm talking about? That good store at the bottom of the hill. I love that store. I was in there trying on them Amish hats. I was thinking about getting me a bowl haircut, growing a beard. I just, I was feeling it. And they had, a, they had a, a, a shelf full of seeds. And I was looking at all these seeds, watermelon seeds and cantaloupe seeds and flower seeds. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing there looking at these seeds, and I thought to myself, I wonder how long those seeds have been in that envelope, in that little package. I wonder how long. They can stay in there for 20 years. You plant that seed, it'll come up. Somebody can sow discord in your ears, in your heart, in your life. And it might not even bother you right then, but a few weeks later, a few months later, how many times have we said it? How many times have you said it? You know, somebody said something to me one time about something, and I don't think much about it at the time, but now that I'm thinking about it, and you start connecting dots. Discord is disseminated by sowing. It's kind of random. Just kind of throw it out there and see what happens. A lot of times a person that is sowing discord, they don't have a plan or any kind of a scheme other than just to create chaos and strife. Let's just kind of throw everything we can up against the wall and see what sticks. Let's just kind of throw this random statement out there. Let's shoot this text message over and see if anybody bites. Let's throw this up on Facebook and see what kind of comments we can get going over here. Are you with me tonight? Discord, both times, is disseminated through sowing, a word used for sowing seed. Number four, write this down, the dangers of discord. I'm only gonna give you three, only because I'm tired and I don't have time to preach all the dangers. But these three right here ought to be sobering. Number one, it disrupts the unity of the church. Discord disrupts the unity 
of the church. And I'm just going to read some verses here. All of them talk about having one mind and one accord and how important it is, Romans 15, 8, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're back to the discord. We're back to the discord where the two hands are not doing the same thing. One hand's doing one thing, the other hand's doing its own thing. And together, it makes a discord. A, a church cannot be unified in one mind and one mouth and one accord if you've got people doing their own thing and they're out of sync with everybody else. And it's amazing to me how that God ordered a church made up of a variety of people from every kind of walk of life and every kind of background and every kind of different upbringing and every kind of family uh, background and different ethnic groups and races. He put us all in the same place. And you know what he said? Be of one mind and one mouth. It can be done. Right. If we're all spirit-filled, it will be done. Right. If we're all walking in the spirit, it will be done. It can be done. But he goes in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of a good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Philippians 1, 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Do you see the unity? It's all through the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. And he goes on and on. So many of the places we could have looked at tonight. But I just want to give you a quick survey that when you have discord in a church, it disrupts the unity of that church. And you can play a song and just every now and then hit that discord and you can ruin that whole song. You can ruin that whole song. I started doing some studio work when I was a teenager. Our family made a cassette tape and then I did a solo tape later. You go into a recording studio, one of the most stressful things on somebody when they're in a recording studio is when you're recording that song, one mistake, you just stop. To stop. Mess up, you got to stop. You got to do the whole thing over. And that stress is on you. Now, they've got technology now where you can go in there and punch it in and punch it out. But back in the day, you have to do the whole song over again. Two and a half, three minute song. And you just be playing and singing and your finger hit the wrong key and you stop. Or your voice crack or break and you have to stop. Because that one mistake will ruin that whole song. That's going to be the only thing people hear when they listen to that song is that mistake. And we would go back and listen to the song when we got finished and the, and the, and the engineer would say, what do you think? Can you hear that mistake? And I said, I can hear it, but I don't think anybody else is going to notice it. And we would try to let it slide. And every time I go back and listen to it, I hear that mistake. I hear that voice. I hear that voice a little bit flat, or I hear that piano that hits that double key, and I, go, I just cringe because it's just messing up that whole song. How many people does it take? Come on now. How many people does it take sowing discord in the church to affect the unity of the church? Thank you. Just one. That's how important it is. It disrupts the unity of the church. Secondly, it diminishes the focus of the pastor. I talk about this a lot, the unity of the church, having one mind, being on the same page, and everybody, everybody moving together collectively. 
because it is extremely important to me as your pastor that we do not have division and strife and contention and confusion in this church. I've been in churches where they had strife, and I don't want that here. Just like I don't want to go home and walk through the doors of my house and have strife and contention in my, in my house, I don't want to walk through the doors of Calvary Baptist Church and my stomach not up because there's strife and divisions and schisms like Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians. I think this church ought to be on the same page. The Bible's very clear about that. And so as the pastor, it is paramount to me that the church has unity. And when there's anything that threatens that unity, it keeps me up at night. It causes me to be distracted. Maybe I should have used that. It distracts it or diminishes the focus of the pastor. It's distracting. But listen to me. That's not just me. That's any pastor. I want you to turn with me over to Acts chapter number 20. I debated whether going here, but I'm going here. I want you to see this. We're talking about somebody far more spiritual than I, someone more capable than I, and that's the Apostle Paul. And yet I want you to notice the Apostle Paul's urgent warnings in Acts chapter number 20 as he's talking to the Ephesian elders. Here's what he says in verse 28. When you get there, say amen. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Look at verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Look at verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Just, I want to just highlight a couple of things out of these verses and we'll move on. But I want you to notice key truths out of the four verses that I just read. It says that it would come of your own selves shall men arise. These are not strangers coming in. This is not a visiting preacher or a visiting missionary or just some family passing through. But Paul said of your own selves, people that are members of your church will rise up from among you. Is that what your Bible says? Of your own selves shall men arise. They will be inside the flock. And he says speaking perverse things. I think we just heard that word. I think the word forward means perverse. We're seeing these overlap here, speaking perverse things. The same word as forward found in our text in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12 and verse number 14. The forwardness is in his mouth. Forwardness is in his heart. What's he going to do? Certain men shall rise up of your own selves speaking perverse things. They're going to say things that are backwards, that are opposite, that are distorted. Why? To draw away disciples after them. They want to recruit you to their side, yes, to their team, or to their position. That's the end game, by the way, of sowing discord many times. It is divide and conquer. Amen. Amen. We see the dangers of discord. It disrupts the unity of the church. It diminishes the focus of the pastor. Look at Paul's burden. He says, I cease not to warn you night. Look at it, verse 31. By the space of three years... I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. What's he talking about? He's talking about these wolves. That's the context of that verse. Verse 31. And I, I asked myself the question, how much time did Paul waste fighting discord and division and wolves when he could have been 
pre preaching the gospel or witnessing or discipling new converts or preaching the word. The devil would love nothing more than to have someone so discord if for no other reason it distracts the pastor from doing what he needs to be doing. Because any God-called pastor is going to stop doing what he's doing. He's going to deal with the discord. And thirdly, it dampens the power of the ministry. A church that has discord, a church that has divisions and strives, a church that's full with variance and emulations and strife and seditions is a church that's not going to do much for God. Let's just be honest. They're going to spin their wheels. There's going to be a lack of power. There's going to be a lack of the anointing. There's going to be a lack of the moving and the touch and the power of God upon that. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3, verse number 25, if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I'm going to tell you what, what, what concerns me more than the outside world, the political realm. What, what, what bothers me more than those on the outside that would try to shut us down is that's those on the inside that actually have the power to do that through sowing discord. Which brings me to my last point tonight. Number five, we'd see the discarding of discord. Discarding of discord. Discord has to be dealt with. You can't leave discord. Now let me just throw this out. I'm not being arrogant, but I'm just going to throw this out. You might not recognize discord when you see it, but I do. Right. I can smell it a mile off. Is everybody listening? I can smell discord a mile off. And God also is very clear about how he feels about a person that sows discord. I'm, gonna, I'm back in Proverbs 6. Now y'all need to turn back over to Proverbs 6. You need to see this. This is, this is God talking. This ain't Pastor Shiflett's opinion. This is what God said. God's talking about he that winketh with his eyes and the naughty person and the wicked man and the froward mouth and the froward heart and devising mischief continually and sowing discord. Look at what God said in Proverbs 6, verse number 15. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. God's pretty harsh. There's not a lot of long-suffering. There's not a lot of patience. And God is a long-suffering God. Can I get a witness? God is a patient God. God is a merciful God. But there's some things in the Bible that God is very harsh about, and sowing discord is one of them. And if that wasn't clear enough, then God begins to expound in verse number 16 these Six things doth the Lord hate. That word hate literally means full of hatred toward an enemy. God looks at someone that sows discord among the brethren as an enemy. Why? Because he shed his blood for the church. He bought the church with his own blood. It's a flock. And someone comes in sowing discord. They're trying to divide. They're trying to create a division within his body. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to get on his bad side real quick. Sowing discord. And he goes on and says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. Look it up when you get home. It literally means that which is disgusting, an abominable thing in the sight of God. 
God's not being patient. God's not being merciful. God's not being long-suffering with this, this crowd. In fact, he just goes ahead and lets us know these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And he goes down and in so many words begins to re-describe this person that he gives us in verse 12, 13, and 14. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. God hates it. What am I saying? I'm saying tonight, this is not just something that you can say, oh, well, maybe I should just try extra hard. No, no, this is serious business. This is serious business. And God deals with it. And God expects the church to deal with it. God expects me as a pastor to deal with it. And so many of the verses that I could look at tonight, Proverbs 13, 10, only by pride cometh contention. Contention. That's synonymous with discord, strife. Only by pride cometh contention. You know what Proverbs 22, 10 says? Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. The Bible's very clear. There's only one way to deal with discord, and that is get rid of the discord. Right. Amen. You don't put a Band-Aid on it. You don't put some salve on it. You don't sprinkle some baby powder on it. You don't give it a Tylenol. You deal with it. In conclusion, I want to say this. I tolerate a lot of things in the church, things, that many, things I don't like, things I don't go along with, things I don't agree with. A lot of times I just let stuff go. Try to give God's people an opportunity to grow in grace and knowledge and let the Holy Spirit help people. Everybody in this church is at a different level spiritually. We've got people just got saved today, just got saved last week, and we've got people like Sister Roth been saved since 1971. We've got every kind of level of spiritual growth in this church. Not everybody's going to be on the same level. But when it comes to sowing discord, I've got a two-strike policy, personally. I'm just letting you know. First time I see it, I'll pull you off to the side and say you're sowing discord. And we can't have that. What I like to see is an apology and a repentant heart, and I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that. Please forgive me. That's what I like to see. That's what I would expect of me, and that was what I would expect of you. If, if, if the man of God pulled you off to the side and said, hey, what, what, what you're doing it fits the biblical description of sowing discord, I'd like to see some backing up, backpedaling. Right. Yes. Amen. Take a step back. Don't double down. Don't double down. I said it earlier, you might sow discord. I, I'm no doubt I've said things in the past, in passing. Gossip, backbiting. That probably fell into that category. Stay with me now. That would fall into that category of sowing discord. That wasn't constructive at all. That was divisive. Everybody all right? But if there's a person that's doing it and you, they know they're doing it and you told them they're doing it and they keep doing it, you've got to deal with that. Right. Why? Because you've got the church at stake. Right. You've got the work of God at stake. I will admonish, I'll rebuke, I'll reprove, I'll correct, I'll instruct, whatever word you want to use, but I'm only going to do it once. Now, there may be some pastors that have put up with it for years. I can't, I don't, because I like the unity at this church. 
I do everything I can to make sure that we're all on the same page. Why do you think every year I load 30 or 40 of you up and take you to the Mighty Men's Conference? It ain't for the Golden Corral meal, I can tell you that. It ain't for the, it ain't for the time on the airplane at the airport. I want to get everybody there so we can all be on the same page. Why? Because I believe that the, the world is yet to see what God could do with a church that was 100% unified. And he'll not send somebody through from the outside. It'll be somebody from the inside that you've got to watch out for. And here's what Paul said. Paul said, as soon as I leave, there'll be somebody come up. Grievous wolves will come up from among you to draw away disciples after themselves. You have to be careful. And the apostle Paul said, I warned you night and day with tears. I will say this, I'm more afraid of discord than I am a rattlesnake, and that's saying something. I'm scared to death of snakes. I don't like snakes. Brother James boys brought a snake skin to my house the other day. I still have the heebie-jeebies from that. Snake skin. Snake skin. They thought it was funny. They laid it on my walkway. I come walking down off my front porch, and there was that snake skin laying there. I lost 10 years of my life. I don't like snakes, but I'm going to tell you what I'm more scared of than snakes, and that is somebody sowing discord in my church, in our church. More men of God have been run off from good churches, from discord, than from doctrinal differences. Come on now. I know what I'm talking about. There's been more good men run off from churches over discord than from liquor. Somebody in the church being hooked on pornography ain't near as much of a threat to the church as somebody sowing discord. Somebody in the church that's got a drinking problem ain't near as much of a threat to the church as somebody sowing discord. Amen. Boy, I got to studying that out, and it sobered me to think that I might even inadvertently without even realizing it, say something that would fall into that category. I want to say this and I'm done. I don't always get up here in the pulpit and tell you about it, but I have to deal with it a lot. It's part of my job. I don't want to come to the, to the pulpit and say, oh, by the way, I had to deal with some discord this week and get into all the details. That ain't what you came to church to hear. Please tell me that ain't what you came to church to hear. You came to church to get uplifted. You came to church to get some help. You came to church to, to feast at the table and walk out of here excited about the things of God. You don't need to hear about all that. But if you've got a question, you're welcome to come ask me, and I'll be glad to tell you. But I'm not going to get up in the pulpit and talk about it. But I can tell you this, if I know about it and I find out about it, I'm going to deal with it. Amen. Because I like what we've got here. I love the unity in this church. I love being able to preach with, with liberty. I love people walking the aisles every service. I love people getting saved every service. I love seeing what God's doing. And the devil don't like it, by the way. The devil don't like that. He does not like that, and he will do whatever he can to disrupt. He might even use somebody you know. He might even use somebody in your family. He might even use somebody you like. Amen. Take a step back and look at the big picture. What's God doing? I can tell you one thing. If I say they're sowing discord, they're sowing discord. Just take my word for it. I'll stand before God at the judgment seat if I'm wrong. And I've been wrong before. I'm not saying I'm always right. But I know this. 
that God loves the church. He loves the church to be unified, one mind, one accord. We all ought to want that too as well. Let's stand our feet this evening with heads bowed, eyes closed. Musicians are on the instruments. Maybe God just spoke to your heart about something. Maybe he spoke to your heart about something. Maybe he spoke to your heart about your tongue, your attitude. Who knows? Maybe you've listened to uh, discord. Maybe you've been involved in discord. I don't know. Maybe God wants to do something in your heart completely unrelated to the message tonight. But I want you. We've got baptism. We've got someone getting baptized. Mark's getting baptized. We've got several going to join the church. You've got time this evening to get in the altar.